Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 344 of Her, the podcast where you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, her menopause. Yeah, I said the M word, so get over it already. <laughs> you're going to love this. Oh my gosh. Before we begin, just know that this episode is made possible by our wonderful friends at Smarty Pants Women's Vitamins, the delicious once-a-day gummies that contain all of the essential vitamins, minerals, and omega oils customized just for women. To learn more, hop on over to smartypantsvitamins.com. And here's your reminder to click onto iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show, because I love hearing from you. That's why. All right, it's time for Her. Her, the podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind. Her body. Her life. It's all about Her. Raise your hand if you're just totally ridiculously confused about menopause. Ha! Just what I thought. Somehow I just know you're all just waving your hands at me. Good grief, it's got a bad rap and... uh, Everybody is asking a million and a half questions. And, you know, there are a lot of myths floating around about menopause. And we're going to be talking about some hits and myths today with Dr. Ariana Schulz Douglas. And Dr. Ariana has written the book, The Menopause Myth What Your Mother, Doctor, Friends, Everybody on This Planet. Haven't told you about life after 35. Dr. Ariana has dedicated much of her career to helping women through the stages of life that are largely neglected by most of the medical community, menopause and perimenopause. She's board certified in OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine, has been practicing medicine for over three decades She's got street creds is what I would call it. Dr. Ariana, welcome to the Herb Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Pamela, for having me. I appreciate being here. All right. Why'd you write the book? I wrote the book um, because I was embarrassed and appalled that I myself didn't understand um, the whole menopause transition as a gynecologist. And I realized that if I didn't understand it, then more than likely the average lay woman person wouldn't understand it either. And so the more I um, probed and asked questions and tried to see like what people understood, the more I realized that people really didn't understand and that this was a huge area that, that there was just a lot of misinformation or just plain ignorance. So that's well, the Well, may I reason. ask you? Well, yes. yeah, that's... That sort of, you know, compels me to ask, you know, a major question here. What the heck with um, the OBGYN training? Why don't they teach this? Yeah, I, you know, I've been thinking that myself, questioning kind of where is the disconnect? And I I think there's several reasons. Uh, First and foremost, I just think it's just the nature of how we've approached women's health and the research around women's health in general. Um, so I think there's just that disparity of understanding and interest in, you know, what's happening to a woman's body. I think traditionally we are taught that 
you know, we, we all understand puberty, we all understand the reproductive years. And so all of the energy um, is really put into how, you know, fertile and how well a woman can either be or, or stay pregnant. But after her reproductive years, it's kind of like, well, what, um, what, what is it? What, what are we looking at? Or what, what's the purpose? So unfortunately, I just think the whole area of women's health has been dismissed um, after her reproductive years, especially. And I know that there are efforts to begin to really help practitioners understand this better, but this is a huge area. I've actually was recently on um, the Society of Women's Health and Research had a panel where we're just really looking at the state of menopause in not only the United States, but really in the world and what's happening in terms of research. And one of the biggest areas we realize is that we're not getting this education in schools and in residency programs. So I can't answer the exact reasons why, but I think it's rooted in our just lack of interest overall and, you know, kind of who's been driving that train. It's not been women, obviously, going through menopause. So, but I think that's all changing. Why would you say that's changing? What is what is this tipping point in this discussion about menopause? I mean, really, seriously, to your point, <laughs> women sort of fall off the ledge, you know, right off the cliff at, at the age of 50. It's suddenly, you know, our value is, is no longer there. When we're fertile, when we're, you know, getting pregnant, and when we're talking about setting up families, and we're 40, and all this stuff. But then all of a sudden, it's like, boop, I, you know, and then I got a newsflash for everybody. Well, you know, we're supposed to live to almost 85. So let me just do some math to see if you go into menopause when you're 52, 51, 52, you know, you got a whole lot of time before, you know, the, the end chapter here. You better hope you're enjoying the ride and you understand what you're going through. That's why I just, I'm like just shocked. Um, but I suppose I shouldn't be, you know, society looks at this whole, you know, issue in a, in a really funky way. What is a woman's worth? You know, and here's the worst part. When a woman is really, uh, you know, reaching the heights of her career, it's in her 50s and and beyond. And and so now here she is, you know, crawling out of her room, drenched in sweat, hot flashes all over the place. Um, feel, you know, brain fog um, has the energy of a doorknob. And, and yet she's supposed to still you know, compete at the height of her career? How? You know, and who understands all this? So um, that's why I'm glad you you wrote the book, and especially as an OBGYN, maybe an awakening for a lot of your brethren out there who are still kind of, you know, knocking around with funky ideas. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's unfortunately just a lot of bias. It's not even amongst just male practitioners. I saw a patient yesterday where, you know, she's she has been dealing with um, painful intercourse for the last like 10 years, but with definitely the last three, she hasn't been able to have that type of intimacy with her husband. Her husband, who happens to be in the psychology field, thinks that it's psychosomatic and her gynecologist, who she saw, literally was just like, oh, you know, just, you know, take this cream. And just she, she said she felt dismissed. And I hear that 
every week um, when I see patients or a new patient and they have explained their, their journey going through this. So it's not, it's their partners, it's their female gynecologist, their male gynecologist. I've had older male gynecologists in particular say, you know, hey, just suck it up. Yeah, it's going to hurt. So, you know, that's just kind of life. And it's like, oh my God. So the more I would hear these stories, the more I was like, I, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Like I would, I would kind of think I was in the twilight zone or something. Cause I'm like, I don't consider myself that revolutionary. I'm like, why, why is this like obviously a huge problem that nobody's, I mean, I do believe that people are starting to talk about it more, even within the last five years, you just, you see more companies starting more nonprofits and lots of people that are seemingly more interested in addressing the issues. Um, and part of that is obviously going to be led by the revenue that people can make from it. I hate to say it, but there's a, there, there's a business right there just in helping perimenopausal women. Um, and they're already capitalizing on that, but that's a whole nother story. But, um, I digress. Um, yeah. No, you're not digressing. <laughs> I'm kind of sitting here taking copious notes here. I'm kind of loving it. Um, so let, let's dive right into it. Um, give us, you know, the top three myths that you believe would really make a difference in a woman's life if she heard them right now. Absolutely. So number one myth is, is really understanding when menopause starts this whole transition. I think that the, the whole confusion around what's perimenopause, what's menopause, but this idea that women I see constantly like in their forties, they're like, well, that, you know, menopause, I'm too young for that. And it's like, yeah, no, you're not. Um, the average age is, you know, 51, 52, but you can, that's like at the peak of the bell curve. So there's at least 50% of women are going to be menopausal, meaning they've had their last menstrual cycle for over a year. They're 50% of those women are going to be that way before 52. And the transition starts anywhere from five, sometimes eight years before you actually are menopausal. So you could be perimenopausal with very real symptoms in your late 30s. That's very real. That's what happened to me. That's why I, I just, it never occurred to me. So that's myth number one. Number two is really, I think, what this, this whole misinformation around estrogen. Um, you know, there was that huge study that came out in 2001, the Women's Health Initiative. And long story short, they just threw the baby out with the bathwater with, you know, women in estrogen. And now there's so many people, like lay people, practitioners who still haven't figured out or learned that they've since almost just redacted half of that study and retracted a lot of what they thought was the the data that we needed to know. And really estrogen is cardioprotective. And um, we know that it benefits women in this transition, but so many women are afraid of it. They don't understand it and they just equate estrogen with cancer. And then that's like the end of the story. So I think that's a huge myth as well. And then finally, I don't know if it's the most common myth, but I know it's something I feel passionate about is that this idea that once we are menopausal or that we've gone through this transition, that somehow we're, we're, it's a downhill, but I look at it the complete opposite. And I'm like, this is a rebirth. This is a reawakening. This is like when the veil gets stripped away because estrogen really is that hormone, what I call that nurturing hormone that makes us want to nurture and love and take care of people. But as those levels decline, as we really step into our own, that's when we really are able to 
really tap into our own power and and really live our best lives. So I look at it as, you know, the time to do your glow up, not the time to consider that you're, you know, people say menopause and like, oh, menopause. And it's like, no, like embrace it because it's coming. It's coming whether you want it or not. So you might as well embrace it and figure out how you're going to boss up in it. Well, if you were now to tell, you know, let's just say the audience were 20 year olds, you know, basically Gen Z, people in their 20s, young women in their 20s, what would you tell them, you know, in terms of a heads up, here's how you prepare for what we, what I would love to call an optimal menopause journey. Right. <laughs> an optimal. Yeah. So honestly, think about menopause. It's really nothing. It's no different than any other transitional period that we go through. So we are generally prepared as parents. I mean, we, 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 at least we read the books and we think we're prepared for our teenagers, but menopause is just like, it's just like puberty, except now you got a job and you got to pay bills. So you're really going through this other transition. And our whole lives are really about going through transition. So I would say really start to understand how hormones impact your mental health, your physical health, and everything in between. Because it's really not that you have to specify it like, okay, this this thing is coming. It's it's a it's a continuum. It's a journey. It's a slow transition. So you have to just really start to be aware. So for example, if you have really severe PMS, that's a time for you to really start to hone in and tap into, okay, what what are the foods that are exacerbating this? What is the lifestyle that might be making this worse or better for me? What are the things that I can do? Because those are the same things that you're going to really do during menopause. It's all the same animal. It's not like a, it's this unique thing that you have to, you know, study for and, and wait to happen in the next 20 years. It's, it's already happening. If you, once you were born, it's happening. Okay. And, and, you know, there are other uh, things that I, I'm a firm believer. I'm a, I'm on the board of directors of the American College of Sports Medicine. I am a triathlete. I'm a crazy person when it comes to healthy lifestyle medicine, etc. And here's the deal. Girlfriends out there on the Herb Podcast land, y'all get yourself together here right now. I don't care what age you are, but especially if you're younger, lay down a strong foundation in physical fitness. Um, I'm not saying join the Olympics. For God's sake, just stand up, you know, assume the vertical and keep moving. Um, is is so terribly important because um, I actually wrote the chapter on uh, women's body composition, womb to tomb, um, for the lifestyle uh, medicine textbook. And one of the things that's important here is to realize there will be a body composition shift. Yes, there is. You know, um, what I love to say is one moment you look at the mirror and you look like an hourglass, you wake up in perimenopause and suddenly you're a shot glass. It's like, what happened? Whoa. And if you already have an excellent foundation, you will minimize any kind of more deleterious uh, body shift um, uh, in the in the in composition, and that includes primarily your muscle and your fat. Your your fat is the key piece here, and so you know what what we're trying to talk about is get those healthy habits down now. You will have a much more optimal journey. What do you think about that, Doctor Ariana? 100% could not agree more. And 
I mean, I'm starting now to just actually get into the best shape of my life. And it's, it's, it's certainly menopause, um, that whole issue, COVID. I mean, we know that, you know, inflammation at the end of the day is the devil. And it is the driver of so many um, problems that we see, um, not only in menopause, but, you know, as it relates to infectious disease, cancer, um, diabetes, I mean, neurodegenerative diseases, everything really is a result of inflammation. And so if we can really wrap our brain around that, I have patients that we really just treat it through lifestyle. It's just removing gluten, dairy, you know, sugar, and, you know, some, some alcohol, like there's, there are certain triggers that if we can recognize them now and seeing how they are impacting our health, there's nothing unique. I mean, there is, there are unique factors around menopause, but at the end of the day, it's, it's all the same story. It's inflammation, it's gut health, it's your mental health. It's all of those things that, you know, I, I've preached about and like, oh, the woo woo, the meditation and the yoga. No, you honestly, it's real. Like, and I know for sure if there was a person who could get around and, and find a shortcut, I would have found it. There is no shortcut. You just, you have to do the work and otherwise you're going to suffer through it. It's just, a, it's, and, and I shouldn't say you will suffer through it because, you know, we, we think that there's a third of women that are going to really be very symptomatic. Um, there's a third of women that can be easily kind of managed through some supplements, some lifestyle changes. And then there's about a third of women that, eh, they're like, what's the big fuss? So for those women in particular who are going to be symptomatic and you don't know who you are, you really, you know, whether it's menopause, cancer, COVID, whatever it is that we're trying to um, mitigate, your diet, your lifestyle, your gut health, all of that, it's, you, you can't separate it. It's all one thing. Uh- I love it. You're absolutely, amen, amen. When I wrote The Hunger Fix, you know, I sat down and I used that template again, which I love. Um, You know, the older you get, the more you alliterate to remember anything. Um, Mind, mouth, and muscle. And what I love to also emphasize here is really spend time on self-care. That means your mental health. Because if you walk into perimenopause, menopause, you know, a basket case of anxiety and stress and feeling helpless, hopeless, defeated and all the rest of it, raise your hand if you think you're going to have a tough go of it. Well, there you go. So this is another reason why you've got to have that strong foundation of self-care. And that means, you know, mental health. I'm an absolute meditator. I do my own little kind of, you know, cherry-picked way to do it, a little bit of TM, a little mindfulness, you know. And of course, the in, in fitness, athletics helps like there's absolutely no tomorrow. But for crying out loud, get out in nature, you know, find those still times you know it's so important so you can combine physical activity and and also the wonderful mental benefits and nutrition for crying out loud whole foods clean food all right enough said <laughs> all right what 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 are other menopause myths you know there's this whole thing about the fact that um you know i I, I want to kind of kind of segue with when you said and everything goes downhill and um, well, actually, a number of things start pointing south. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's it's like a redefining what is 
um, this stage in life. It's a redefining. And I think a lot of women just say, hey, I want to be 20 again. Hey, I want to be 30 again. I'm just going to act like that, strive to look like that. How do you work with women who, who've got that kind of attitude? Yeah, I don't actually know if my patients so much want to be 20. I think the biggest thing is, you know, I women see the aging process, right? And nobody likes to see their faces changing and their breasts sagging and, you know, their midsection growing. And so what I usually stress is that, and, and it kind of goes back to that idea around the estrogen, um, because first of all, I don't want everyone to be 20 again. Um, you may think you want, you, you mentally, you know, you don't necessarily, you obviously don't have the, the wisdom, right, that you have at 55 or 40 or whatever you want to start counting. But you also, I mean, again, I feel like we're under the influence of estrogen. And once that veil kind of gets removed, then you actually get to become who you really are. And so I look at it more and I, I usually counsel patients around stepping into your own and, and recognizing um, that this is a, this is a period of a huge, can be a period of huge transition because as your estrogen levels change and drop, your brain chemistry changes. And so you are less interested in pleasing others and more interested in figuring out what your purpose is and what you're here to do. And so I typically will deal more with women who are struggling with being stuck in relationships they don't like, in jobs they don't like, and trying to deal with that sense of conflict that they have. And so this is why I feel or believe that so many relationships um, kind of get tossed out, people leave jobs. Um, myself personally, they, they go through these huge kind of career transitions. It's, it all coincides with what our hormones are doing at the same time. So Yes, you might want to look like you're 20, but you certainly don't want the brain of a 20-year-old. I would say you don't even want the body of a 20-year-old. I feel like I'm in the best shape now that I've probably been in my life. I've been training to do a bodybuilding competition, and I really started doing it really just because I, I wanted to just look good in my clothes and be healthy, and, and I needed a way to motivate myself to get to the gym. Um, more frequently. And so I just found a great community of women. But between the, the food that I have to eat or not eat and the, the workouts, I'm as must, I mean, the tone that I have, the, the energy that I have, um, the stamina that I have is more than I, I mean, I didn't have that in my 20s. So I don't even look at my younger years anymore as something that I strive for, because I'm just glad I'm not there anymore. I don't, I don't think that way, because that would not be good for any of us. <laughs> Gotcha. I got you. Absolutely. Um, you know, for women out there who will never, you know, come within spitting distance of standing on a stage, wearing a tiny little bikini and, and showing off all those muscles and going through holy hell to get there. I'm a triathlete. Um, so I kind of go to a different place. I'm more performance, you know, athleticism. Um, you know, I think what both of us you know, could message to um, women out there is uh, you choose something that's going to motivate you. You choose it. So whether it's your very first 5K, whether it's, you know, you're going to join a cycling group, 
whether you're going to join a swimming group, whether you're going to join a walking group, whether you just sort of hang out, you know, at your gym with some of the coolest people around just to kind of lift weights and get in that resistance training, any of those things, yeah, you, you know, got to find the rule it. is whatever works. Find what, yeah, and that may change because at one point, you know, I I did a mini triathlon. And I was like, oh, okay, that's nice. <laughs> I don't want to do that again. <laughs> and then, um, and I think I'm going to go back because I'm doing my competition next month. And I'm like, eh, I'm only doing this. I really had no intentions of standing on the stage, but I figure at the worst case scenario, I'll look close to somebody that could stand on a stage. So, and that translates to feeling good and looking good just in my everyday life. But I'm already like, okay, I don't think I want to do this. What's next? So I think I'm going to do a mini triathlon again. So it's whatever motivates you and inspires you to move, but there's just, there's nothing getting around what you put in your mouth and how you move your body. There's just, you can't get around it. And I, like I tell people, if, if there was a way to cheat, I swear, I know I would have figured it out. It just, it doesn't exist. I love it. I love work. it. Yeah. So, you know, I think what we're saying to this wonderful listening audience is that I don't care what your age is. There's so much you can do right now to improve this whole journey. Um, and if you're younger, uh, if you're in your 20s and 30s, for crying out loud, lay down a strong foundation in healthy lifestyle right now, okay? Because I'm telling you, honey, you know, <laughs> take it from us. We've been through this. It, it will make the journey a heck of a lot more joyful, um, manageable, and then also um, you need a heads up about some of the stuff coming up, and, and you need to be able to be with a doctor like Dr. Ariana who will listen to you, give you the time of day, and be able to uh, have a discussion about something that will personally work for you. It's all about individualizing, customizing. That's what's really important right now. And we need more OBGYNs like Dr. Ariana to be able to help women think it through, guide them, give them options. All of those things are incredibly important. So um, I want to make certain that everyone out there knows uh, Dr. Ariana's uh, website, which is dr for doctor, A-R-I-A-N-N-A dot com, dreariana.com. The name of the book is The Menopause Myth, What Your Mother, Doctor, and Friends haven't told you about life after 35. All right, Dr. Ariana, one last word of wisdom from you for our wonderful listening audience. Sure, I think um, I wanna end with just empowering women themselves to do the work and do the research because what I've found is that people get very discouraged when they go to their provider and they get blown off. I mean, it happens every single day um, multiple times a day. I've seen it and it's very discouraging. So it's discouraging to me, but I can only imagine as a consumer of healthcare, how that feels. So I would say, don't give up. If you are having symptoms, your decreased libido, um, that my cute one I use is you want to kill your partner. You, um, you know, just having difficulty with sleep, um, urinary incontinence, pain with intercourse. Um, when you're starting to really have some of these symptoms, do your own research first before you step into any office and come prepared. And if you 
don't have a provider that's listening or seems to really be understanding, then you need to find another one. And I think a good resource is the Northern American Menopause Society. They have a list of practitioners. So that's a good place to go to at least find a practitioner that could help you because this is where women really start to feel defeated and give up. And then they, they let years lapse and then they finally maybe find somebody. But it's at that point, it's not that it's too late, but they've just lost some really great years um, when they really could be living and maximizing a, their, their experiences. So do your work, do the work, do the work. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay, so run out there and grab the menopause myth, what your mother, doctor, and friends haven't told you about life after 35, and Dr. Ariana's wonderful website, drariana.com. Thank you so much for being on the Her Podcast. Thank you for having me. It was great. I appreciate it. Awesome. Everyone run on over to iTunes right now, rate and review the show because I want to hear from you. And why is that? Because I'm Dr. Pam Peek, host of the Herb Podcast. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peek or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peek MD. And remember to catch every single episode of the Herb Podcast on iTunes or Radio MD. Hey, thanks for listening today. Stay safe and stay well.